Hello and welcome to a special edition of Tub Talk, the podcast for IT consultants. I'm Stephen McCormick, and today I'm bringing you a special recording part of SuperUp's AI's new community launch, where regular host Richard Tubb took part in an Ask Me Anything live virtual broadcast. It was a chance for managed service providers to ask their questions, anything from how to grow an IT business to effective marketing on social media. Here's what he had to say. Good day, everyone. Uh, welcome to our special AMA webinar. This is hosted by superops.ai and I'm Poshya, your host for today. I'm thrilled to be here with a very special guest, Richard Tubb, a renowned expert in MSP business growth. Richard, thank you so much for joining us today and for your continuous support. My pleasure. Just before we hit record, we were saying what an honor this is to be the very first uh, guest and then ask me anything for the new SuperOps community. So thanks, everyone, for uh, for being part of this historic event with Porsche. Thank you so much, Richard. So before we get started on Richard's journey, I encourage you to start posting your questions on the Q&A tab. Richard can quickly help answer any questions you may have related to growing your business, right? So Richard, to get started, could you share a bit about your journey in the MSP world? What inspired you to focus on MSP business growth? Yeah, well, I can. I, I'm looking at the uh, attendee list, and we've got people from all over the world joining us today. A lot of you have already let us know where you're from. We've got people from Paris, France, St. Louis, Missouri, my hometown of Birmingham, my adopted hometown of Newcastle upon Tyne, UK, America, all over the world. So, thank you so much uh, for joining. And we were just saying just before we we came on live here. Uh, I love having these type of conversations with people. So when SuperOps and Porsche approached me and said, would you do one of these sessions? I said, absolutely. You know, rather than slide deck and me talking at you, I want to be able to have the conversation with you. So I reiterate what Porsche said. If you've got any questions at all to do with managed services, sales, marketing, anything in the IT uh, side of things, please do use the Q&A, ask away. I'm happy to answer any questions. I would say with the one caveat, if you ask me product questions about super ops, I'm going to defer to Porsche and the team there uh, for those sort of answers. But really, feel free to, to take advantage of my experience. To that point, so for those of you who have not had the opportunity to meet yet, my name is Richard Tupp. I'm at home here today in my studio garage, which is in Newcastle-upon-Tyne in the northeast of England. And my background is I used to run a managed service provider business right here in the UK. I have a background in corporate IT, working for organizations such as Ernst & Young, the NHS, GE Capital. And then I started out on my own in, I think it was about 2001 uh, time, and I was a typical one-person band. I was crawling under desks and fixing computers and doing, probably like many of you, doing anything that my clients asked of me in terms of technical support. I grew that business from a one-person band all the way up until the point uh, where it was 2011, if I got my timeline right, I ended up selling that business. Uh, and perhaps, you know, if you've got any questions about why I sold the business and, and that type of thing, happy to answer that. But what it meant was that I spend my time now and have done for many, many years speaking to the owners of IT businesses, the owners of managed service provider businesses, just like you, uh, basically to help you avoid all of the mistakes that I made when I was running my own business. And trust me when I say this. I made so many mistakes. So there's like an infinite source of topics, uh, subject matter to speak about there. But I love having these type of conversations. I write books. 
uh, I do a lot of public speaking similar to this. Uh, you can usually find me at community events and things of that nature. And of course, my team and I, there's nine people in my team uh, now, um, and we run the website Tublog, the hub for MSPs, which started out as my blog uh, almost 20 years ago now. And what we do, we produce a ton of content, videos and books and uh, ebooks and podcasts every week. Uh, and of course, we're very active on social media. But again, all of it is based around one goal, and that is to help you, the IT business owner, to free up your time, to concentrate on what's important, and to make more money while you enjoy running your business. So that's my background. Happy to answer any questions about that background as we as we go. Um, yeah, but Portia, I'm happy to jump into the questions whenever people are ready. Awesome. I think we do. I think we're having a good uh, inflow of questions already. But um, Richard, so just to let you know, we already have like we have a set of two questions. One is obviously collected. I mean, questions that our beloved live audience here are going to ask. And we also collected some questions from MSPs who wanted to attend the sessions but couldn't. Right. So yeah. um, uh, the, I would kick off with one of the offline questions and then we can take the questions from the chat. What are the key challenges that MSPs face today and how do you think they can overcome that, Richard? In terms of the key challenges that MSPs face, I think obviously we've got a lot of economic challenges at the moment, doesn't matter where you are in the world. The good news for the economic challenges for the managed service provider industry is, for the most part, the managed service injury, uh, in injury <laughs> a slip of uh, there, didn't mean that way. The managed service industry is fairly recession proof. And what I mean by that is we all know nowadays, whatever type of business you run, you run a technology business because you cannot really run any type of business without technology being involved. What that means is for MSPs like us, for IT consultants, is that our clients always need our support. Now, they may not realize they need that. They may, for some of you who have got clients who see IT as a necessary evil rather than a value add, some clients may think they can do without IT. But then those type of clients, unfortunately, the ones are going to fall by the wayside uh, in the economic climate. But the majority of progressive businesses realize that IT is a significant part of what they do. They cannot run a business without it. And so managed service providers are going to be in demand, and that's going to continue for a long time to come. So the economic challenges is, you know, it's a double-edged sword for IT businesses. We may be seeing some clients who are struggling during it, but every client, whether they realize it or not, needs a managed service provider. With that said, I would have said one of the other big challenges, and it's nothing to do with the world at large, it's all to do with you, the IT business owner. When I ran my own IT business, what I realized really early on in the journey was that we can be our own worst enemy. We can get in the way of the growth of our own business. We can spend too much time being busy and not enough time focused on growing our business. So let me give you one key example and one big takeaway um, uh, for this uh, webinar. And that would be the less information you store in your head up here, and the more information you can store in systems, in documentations, in processes, 
the more likely you are to be able to grow your business, the more likely you are to be able to delegate, to automate, to outsource work to others. And I would have said, you know, you'll hear me talk a lot about this, but we need to get out of our own way. And for those of you who are running smaller, nimble uh, IT providers or managed service providers, I want you to think about getting as much information out of your head and down into systems, because that will then free up your time to do the other things that you really need to be doing, such as marketing, sales, business development, and things of that nature. So I've given just two potential issues there for MSPs, uh, Borsha. The economic climate, which you know I think is a double-edged sword, but the biggest one that I see MSPs of all sizes face, get the information out of your head and down into systems. Awesome. That's, that's very insightful, Richard. Let's take one question from uh, the audience. Mark Hens has a question. What did you use for your RMM and PSA tools before superops.ai? Uh, and are there any gaps you have found in the superops.ai platform? Love that question, Mark. And I would I will say up front, uh, for those of you who follow my work, I've got uh, the, the weekly MSP Insights email that I send out to the community with my thoughts on what's going on. We've got the podcast and blogs. You will know I'm a huge fan of super ops, but not just super ops. Uh, any um, MSP vendor that comes into this space and positively disrupts this industry. I'm not talking about causing chaos, but what I'm talking about is coming in and saying, just because we've always done things this way doesn't mean we always need to do it that way. So I'm a huge fan, Mark, of SuperOps from the way they've come in and Arvin's, the CEO of SuperOps, and the whole team are looking at the industry and saying, there's some outdated ways of doing things here. And dare I say, there's some software that has got a lot of legacy debt that is just there and may have been state-of-the-art 20 years ago, but not so much now. So, you know, I wanted to be upfront. And the reason I love SuperOps uh, and other companies like SuperOps in our market is they are so open. So there's many vendors, I would say, when people on a webinar that is hosted by a PSA or RMM company, they wouldn't want me to answer questions about other PSA and other RMM tools. But SuperOps give me the opportunity to do that. So the first thing I would say is thank you, SuperOps, for being so open and um, uh, accepting and acknowledging of what's going on. Mark, to your question, what did you use for your RMM and PSA tools before SuperOps? And are there any gaps you have found in the SuperOps AI platform? So two parts of the questionnaire. So when I ran my managed service provider business, we put off using a PSA tool, professional services automation tool, for the longest time. The first book that I wrote was called The Mistakes That MSPs Make, the top five mistakes that, that cost managed service providers time and money. The number one mistake in that list is not adopting a PSA tool. So Mark, I really wish we'd adopted a PSA tool earlier uh, because really it helps us to scale, to grow. It, it forced us to get really organized about what we do rather than keep that information in our head and tickets on post-it notes and things of that nature and in spreadsheets here, there and everywhere, we got a PSA tool. Now back you know, I feel like a bit of an old man in this industry now. I've been doing it for an awful long time. Back when I ran my uh, MSP business sort of 15, 20 years ago, there wasn't a lot of choice over PSA and RMM tools. But the PSA tool we chose at the time was one called ConnectWise. You're probably very familiar with it. And it's typically seen as one of the big two in the industry. Um, and it's a great tool. ConnectWise is a, a wonderful uh, product there. Um, 
it's very quite a big product. There's lots of things going on there. So that's the PSA tool we used. The RMM tool we used was a, a product you'll have never have heard of, Mark, but it's called Handog. Handog got bought by GFI Software. GFI Software got bought by SolarWinds, I think it was, or Enable. And I get confused with all the acquisitions. But basically, the, the reason we loved Handog is it reminded us so much of what SuperOps is right now. And that is a tool that you can install, uh, start using, and it will do 80% of the things that you need out of the box. Uh, you don't have to have somebody full-time dedicated to configuring it and things like that. That's what Hound Dog did for us back in the day, Mark, because I know from speaking from experience here that most managed service providers, people like yourself, are very time poor. You want the benefits of these tools, but you don't have the time to invest immediately in getting started with them. So that's the reason we used Hound Dog. That's the, another reason that I'm a big fan of SuperOps. Now, I'll answer the second part here. Are there any gaps you found in the SuperOps AI platform? Absolutely. Yeah, there are, uh, the, 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 there are gaps. However, when I started working with SuperOps, I think it was a couple of years ago, Portia, or, or thereabouts, when Arvind and I first struck up a friendship, um, I jumped on a lot of calls with the SuperOps development team, and I said, this could be better. We need to do this. We need to do the other. The brilliant thing about SuperOps, and again, this is not an advert for SuperOps. This is a, a vendor-neutral, you know, a community meeting. The reason, the other reason I love SuperOps is they listen to feedback, and they have made progress their development team faster than virtually any other products that I've come across in our market. Um, they continue to listen to feedback from the audience, and that's so. I would say, Mark, if you if the last time you looked at SuperOps was six months, 12 months, 18 months ago. This goes for everybody on the call. Take another look at it now because it really is a phenomenal product. Yes, there are still gaps, but they are being uh, moved up all of the time. And I think the biggest challenge I would say that SuperOps have got to say, and I'll say this, Portia, for you, the entire SuperOps team as well, is that you are so responsive to MSP's needs, there is a danger that you will try to do too many things for too many people. So I'll throw that one out there. But as it stands, Mark, uh, there are gaps in the um, you know the SuperOps platform, but they are moving on with those requests from end users really, really rapidly. So I hope that answers the question, Mark. Let me know in the chat if you've got any follow-up. Perfect. Thank you so much, Richard. And like the whole community effort is you know, coming from that uh, perspective where we want to be more connected with MSPs and we want them to kind of continuously give us feedback, which can make us better and make us work towards helping MSPs um, in, a, in a very, you know, in a very like real way that it solves their problems, right? So, yeah. Thank you so much, Richard. We have another question from Nick Hansen. Um, are there any trends you are seeing for new tools in the MSP space? Great question, Nick. And I think the obvious one that we'd all um, be aware of and address, the AI. So we talked about superops.ai. And again, forgive me for, you know, for bringing superops into the conversation, but there has been so many different AI tools that are coming through the market at the moment. So the biggest trend I'm seeing without hands down, well, there's two actually, the cybersecurity side of things and AI, and they're both intricately uh, linked, uh, linked, Nick. Um, in terms of AI, I'll share a, a very quick story with you. Probably about three years ago, 
uh, now. Um, maybe, no, it was a bit more than that. I was talking very publicly about how artificial intelligence, about machine learning, automation, how it was going to change the managed service provider industry, the benefits that were available. And I actually did a lot of uh, public speaking around this, wrote a lot of blog posts. And do you know what the response was, Nick? Stony silence. Nobody was interested, or if they were, it was just a passing interest. Nobody really took AI for managed services seriously. And then something happened, and I think we've all seen this in the world. Our clients wouldn't speak to us about AI. The majority of our friends' family would never speak to us about AI. Then about, what was it, about 12 months ago, ChatGPT, um, we've got Google, we've got uh, Amazon. Everybody was getting into the AI space and releasing these, these tools that anybody can go and use it freely. And then, of course, the explosion of interest, because people started thinking, well, this is a bit of a, a gimmick at the moment. And I'm not talking about the long-term ethical uh, or economic impacts of AI, which is a huge story in of itself. But for the managed service industry, I think most MSPs looked at AI, chat GPT as like a bit of a gimmick. But then people started to get a little bit more serious about how can we use AI to do things faster, better, cheaper, than we have before. So again, another reason why I was such a fan of SuperOps, and there are other uh, companies in the industry that are taking on AI to, to allow MSPs to do things better, uh, faster, cheaper than ever before. But the companies that have invested in this years ago are now starting to reap the rewards. SuperOps and others, uh, obviously, at, you know, top of that list. But nearly every MSP vendor I speak to has got some investment in artificial intelligence. And I would encourage you, uh, Nick, again, keep an eye on the players that you've not heard of yet. Read articles from people such as myself, from Carl Palachuk, um, Paul Green, Mark Copeman, other people in our industry who've got their finger on the pulse. They will highlight to you those vendors and those tools that are coming through that AI has got implications for, where AI can actually help with our business. So don't dismiss it as a gimmick. It's real, and there are companies and there are MSPs using it right here today. So AI would be the top one. The other one, obviously, cybersecurity. Um, I did an interview just last week with um, a chap called Mark Taylor of Chorus, who uh, is somebody that I've known for about 20 years. And Mark started off his business in the UK as an MSP. Over the past five years, he has moved towards becoming an MSSP, so focusing on the security specialism there. And once again, you know, this is no surprise because all of us on this call today need to take security super seriously. And for those of you who are thinking of moving from just a managed service provider to becoming an MSSP, be aware it's a big investment of time and energy. What I would suggest to anybody who thinks, you know what, I'm, I wanna focus on the managed service provider side of things, buddy up with someone else who can help you to do the security. So hope that answers that question there, Nick, but AI and uh, cybersecurity, the two top trends that I'm seeing. Awesome. Thank you so much, Richard. Follow-up question by Pascal uh, Fintoni. I hope I'm pronouncing the name right. Sorry yeah. if not. In the summary for today's session, I spotted the following. Helps MSP businesses free up their time, according to Richard, where we most often losing or wasting time and what can we do to reclaim that precious time? 
Uh, thanks for the question, Pascal. Appreciate you, Monami. Um, in terms of wasting time, where you know, and I'm the big for those for people who follow perhaps my work, if and if you haven't before, um, you know, there's 600 uh, odd, odd uh, emails that have gone out there. There is thousands of podcasts and uh, blog posts and things. So uh, to give you a flavor of one thing that I'm really, really hot on is productivity. And so when I was running my managed service provider business, um, I had to overcome procrastination, putting things off till tomorrow. I had to learn to focus on the most important things, first and foremost, to grow my business. So in answer to Pascal's question here, I think the number one thing that the MSPs, where they waste their precious time, is on busy work. And what I mean by that is all of us, if you if you have a conversation with anybody nowadays, you can say, hey, Portia, how are you? And you'll say, oh, I'm busy. I'm busy. Everybody is busy at the moment. Of course you're busy. But what are you busy on? For most of us in this industry, we got into this industry because we're really good with technology. So I'm a techie geek. I love technology. If you could see just off camera here, I've got a museum full of retro computers. I've got all the latest tech surrounding me. I love technology. But when it comes to running my managed service provider business, focusing on the tech is not the way forward. So for those of you in the audience um, who are perhaps technicians, I want you to take a real good look at where you spend your time. Are you doing things that are comfortable to you such as solving tech problems? Or are you using that time to put off doing the work that you need to do, such as personal development, such as marketing, such as that sales proposal you keep putting off, those type of things? So in answer to Pascal's question here, the where we most often waste our time is busy work, doing the things that we're comfortable with, that we know how to do, but are perhaps not going to move our business forward. Because after all, we can be the best technician. We can be the best IT company in the world, but if nobody knows about it, what is the point? Because you're only going to grow very, very slowly. So I hope that answers that question there, Portia. It does. It does. Thank you so much, Pascal. If you have follow-up questions, please feel free to type it out. Um, I think we can take one more question from the offline set of questions that I have. Um, Richard, this was one question that we received through email. My social media is not giving me leads. What should I do? Wow. Okay. Big question there. Um, the short answer would be you are probably, and without seeing your social media and what it looks like, but the majority of MSPs that I see that say, oh, social media doesn't work for us. Social media is not a platform to you to shout from the rooftops and tell everybody, hey, look how great I am. There's some of that in there. But what social media is there for is to have conversations, the similar way that we're having a conversation here today. You want to be using social media to be having conversations with your prospective clients. And then you'll hear me use this phrase quite a lot, but people love, and in fact, people really only try to do business with other people they know, like, and trust. Social media gives you the opportunity to get people to know you, to get people to like you, and to get people to trust you. So you can demonstrate on using social media your expertise, absolutely. But you don't want to be just talking at people. You want to be having a conversation with people. 
So I'll give a shout out to um, one of my great friends, Paul Green, uh, who runs, uh, and I believe Paul's doing some work for the SuperOps community, isn't he, as well, Porsche? And so again, another another benefit from the community there. Go and check out Paul Green's work. But Paul gives MSPs lots of strategies to strike up conversations with potential biz- potential clients on LinkedIn, for instance, which is where the majority of business owners hang out. But for instance, if you check out my uh, Twitter feed, for instance, I'm having conversations with people. And by the way, I'm not going to call it X, Elon. I'm, it's not X, it's Twitter. Um, but it's all about conversation. So instead of just standing there on social media and you can automate it and just sending stuff out, talking at people, it's all about having conversations with people. When you nurture those conversations, social media is a great way to build that trust, to allow people to get to know you and like you, but you can't just be shouting at them. You've got to have a conversation with them. Thank you so much, Richard. Uh, Another question from a live audience. Um, It's anonymous. I have always had problems in differentiating my MSP from that of my local competitors. How do I go about that? It's very love interesting. That. Love that question. And, and again, I'll share a quick um, story with you. So here in the UK, we are very fortunate to have a lot of local groups. We've got the Tech Tribe and we've got what used to be called the Small Business Specialist Community, groups that meet of MSPs all over the UK. Those groups are growing elsewhere in the world as well. I know Super Ops are putting them together. You had a a get together in New York. We've had one in London. Anyway, when I go along to those meetings and you've all been to business networking meetings, uh, things like that, and you know, you sit around the table and you all give an introduction. Hi, I'm Richard, I do this. I get quite annoyed when MSPs sit there and they go, hey, I'm I'm Steve and I run an MSP here and we look after small businesses. And then the next person says, hi, I'm Dave. I run an MSP and I do what Steve does, but just down the road. And then the next person says, hi, I'm Brian and I do what Steve and Dave does. But And I get really annoyed because that's not why people work with you. You are not the same as all of your competitors. I don't care whether you use SuperOps, ConnectWise, Autotask, Datto, Kaseya, any of those tools. I don't care whether you read Richard Tubbs books or Carl Palachuk's book or Mark Copeman's books. Whatever you're doing, you are the special source for that business. There is a reason that people do business with you as opposed to Dave down the road or Ryan Um, up the road. So it's not down to geography. It's not down to the tools that you use. It's down to you. And as you can tell, I'm somebody who loves talking. I love sharing my knowledge and having conversations with MSPs, but other people are quieter. Other people are louder. We're all different as human beings. And that means, you know, earlier on, I said people like to get to know, like, and trust you. What that means is for every MSP, there's going to be some people who see who you are, see the way you do business, and they're not going to like it, but they are going to like your competitors. And there's going to be other people who look at your competitors and go, no, I don't really like that type of business. We want to work with somebody like you. So it's a little bit going back to answering the last question, Portia, about social media. The other benefit of social media, your website, and how to differentiate yourself from the competition is to let people know who you are, to allow people to get to know the real people behind the business. So if you're watching this today and you're a one-person band, uh, there's just you within the MSP, no problem. Your clients do business with you 
because not just because you know how to fix their computer, but because of who you are. And if you're not sure why they do business with you, ask them, say, why is it you work with me rather than Dave down the road? And they'll tell you. They will say things like, oh, you're on time, you're professional, but they will also tell you things about your personality. So when it comes to social media, website, marketing, who you are as a whole, let your personality shine through. Allow people to get to know what you stand for in your business. And uh, that's the way I grew my managed service provider business. We put our personalities out there. It wasn't a good fit for everybody. But instead of trying to persuade everybody to come and work with us, what we actually found by putting our personality, our culture, our values out there, we actually drew people towards us who wanted to work with us. So I think that's a powerful way to do it. And that's the way to differentiate from your competition. It's all about being yourself and making sure that your messages your website and everything else that you put out with that reflects that personality rather than just pretending you're like, you're just the same as everyone else. You are not. That's great. Um, Which brings to another question that's very related to what's being asked here, uh, which was asked offline. Um, This was the question, Richard, when I'm creating a website for my MSP, what is the one thing that I should never miss? I can tell you some of the things that you should never do. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to start with those, uh, first of all. And again, um, I would love to say that this is like my idea. It's really not. So a lot of the things that I'm talking to you about today, I have been taught by people who were a lot smarter than me and a lot more successful, who have given freely of their time and knowledge to help me over the past 20 years. One of those people is uh, the chap that I mentioned, Mark Copeman. Mark Copen has got a background in the MSP industry, and his, one of his books, for instance, Help Desk Habits, is a phenomenal book. Go and seek that one out. And if any of anybody else in the audience here knows Mark Copen, feel free to put a link to, uh, to Mark's books uh, in there. Uh, but Mark taught me about websites, and I think we would all agree with this. If you look at a website and it's got stock photography, Mark calls them the shiny, smiley people. You know the ones where they're all doing poses and things like that? No, that makes your website look like everybody else's website, doesn't it? So please take the effort. And all of us nowadays have got a brilliant, you know, camera phone that we can take a few snaps with. Put some photographs of you and clients on the website rather than the stock images, which makes it look like a horrible corporate website. So that's the first thing I would say you you shouldn't do. Don't use stock images, use your own uh, photography. The other thing that I would do uh, that you must have on the page there is have something about you, who you actually are, what you stand for, what you do, your story. Because, and it has taken me 20 years in this industry to realize this, but people want to know who you are. People want to know who you are when you're not working. People want to know why you do what you do, your story. So again, put that on the website. And the other one that I'm going to throw out here, and this is going to be a really controversial, Portia. So we're going to get 50% of the audience are going to agree. And the other 50% are going to go, Richard, you're absolutely crazy. (laughs) And that is what's the number one thing people come to your website for? And that's your pricing. They want to know whether they can afford to work with you or not. So it's very controversial, but I believe that we should be having, if not specific pricing, you should have indications of pricing on your website. And what I mean by that is, if somebody comes to your website and they are a 10 user engineering company, you don't have to spell out exactly how much it's gonna cost for them. 
But what you do need to do is to say, we work with companies of between 10 and 25 people in the engineering space, and it typically costs between two and five thousand pounds a month, or between five and ten thousand pounds a month. Put some sort of bracket there because it's very frustrating for all of us to jump on the phone with a prospect or to meet a prospect and then quickly realize they haven't got the budget to work with you. It's frustrating for them, it's frustrating for you. If you are giving some indication of price on your website, then you are going to eliminate the people who are just buying on price alone. But other people are going to go, oh, yeah, that sounds, you know, uh, uh, in the ballpark of what I'd be willing to pay and to go with it from there. So very controversial to say that one out loud. Um, but uh, I'd be interested to hear in the chat what people have to say about that idea of putting pricing on the website. And trust me, I've heard all the objections before. My competitors will steal the pricing and I'll scare people away. Happy to answer all those questions, but that's that's the number one thing uh, or three things on your website that I think you should be doing. Awesome. That's great. Thank you, Richard. We hope we'll wait for the questions in the chat if they're going to be uh, opposing or favoring this. But yeah, the next question is from the live audience. How can I use AI to help with my MSP marketing? Still contemplating if I should even be using it. Oh, I love that uh, question. Another anonymous one. I can tell you how you shouldn't be using it, first of all, and that is you could technically, if you're not blogging at the moment or producing content for your social media and things, you could use ChatGPT and other tools there to say, write me a blog post about this. But what the world does not need is any more mediocre content on websites. They really don't. And my big fear about uh, about um, ChatGPT and other tools is that people who previously have not done the work with their content marketing will perhaps say, yeah, I'll give it to the machines and the robots can do it all for me. It's not going to fool anybody because, again, people want to know about you and what goes on behind the scenes, not just about you answering technical questions and that things of that nature. However, when I started blogging 20 years ago, so um, there's six, 8,000 blog posts that I've written since then, and people at the time said to me, Richard, where do you get the ideas for writing the blog posts? And I said, oh, that one's easy. We just answer questions from um, our clients or what happens on the help desk or questions that I get asked by prospects. All the blog posts used to be around that. Fast forward to today, I would still say that that holds up really, really well for people. So if you're not blogging, if you're not producing content, videos, podcasts, ebooks, whatever it is, you've got a wealth of content built into your PSA tool, built into your help desk tool. Go and have a look at the tickets that come up. Answer those questions. Um, because there's a friend of mine, a guy, a very, very famous book. Uh, Marcus Sheridan wrote the book, They Ask, You Answer. Go and check it out. Another book recommendation there. Uh, we should start a book club or something, Portia. But um, people want to know the answers to their questions. Where AI could help you out is you could ask things such as, what are the top questions that people are asking at the moment? Or um, if I were to write an article about AI for marketing, what would it look like? And um, that those tools can help give you an outline, but don't just use it verbatim. Don't just grab that content and throw it online. Use it as a basis for what you do. So one of my colleagues, um, Stephen McCormack, 
um, write some incredible, really long-form blog posts on Tublog, the hub for MSPs. He's wrote them about AI for good, about quiet quitting, loads of, go and check out Stephen's work on Tublog. But I can tell you that Stephen does an incredible amount of research into the statistics and things that go to make those articles up. And Stephen and I and the team have been having conversations about saying, how can AI help us with that research? It's not gonna write the articles for us, but how can it give us some of the meat behind those articles? So I think my answer to that, how can AI help with my MSP marketing? Focus less on what it can automate and more on the meat that it can give you to produce better content and have better conversations with prospective clients. I hope that answers that question. That does, Richard. Thank you so much. Uh, next question again from an anonymous attendee. As one-man band, what would you recommend should be the first, first hire? Example, experience tech, office slash IT admin. Great question. So if you're a one-person band, if you're just you know a nimble MSP just starting out, this is a really common question. First of all, I'll tell you what I did you know, 15, 20 years ago. Uh, I got bogged down in the admin. Um, so I hired an office manager uh, to come in and to do that work. The admin, you know, things like putting through sales orders and doing returns and dealing with bills and VAT returns and tax and all of that sort of stuff. That's what I did. Um, then I hired an engineer, and then we moved on from there. However, however, fast forward to today, if you were to, you don't need to hire a full-time person to do this type of work. So if you did, do need some help with your administration, or you do need some help with your bookkeeping, or you do need some help with or any of those type of things, have a think about whether you could hire a virtual administrator. What is a VA? What is a virtual administrator? Well, this is somebody who doesn't necessarily work full time for you, but they work and they can be located anywhere in the world. And again, I've put together a number of blog posts on why this might be a good idea for you. You could hire a VA, say, in South Africa or Singapore or wherever in the world to help you remotely do some of that administration. It means that for those of you who are watching this and in that awkward, awkward situation of, um, I need some help, but I can't afford to hire somebody full time to do that. Well, don't worry, you can hire virtual admins to do an hour, 10 hours, 20 hours, whatever you need uh, every week, every month. So I would say as a one person band, your first hire, if it needs to be administration, think about doing a virtual administrator rather than a full-time one. I would also say if you're at the situation where you've got too much technical work for just you, but not enough to hire somebody full-time to help you, again, you may not need to hire somebody. What I did was I went out and I buddied up with other MSPs, other IT businesses to help provide things like sickness cover, holiday cover to provide additional resources. And then you can slowly build the business up until you're at a point where you need to actually, you know, it makes sense for you to hire people full time for that work. So I hope that makes sense. 
uh, to to our anonymous attendee there asking. But yeah, uh, if you're going to do admin, whether you're going to do uh, technical, really doesn't matter. Have a look for how you can leverage resources that are not full time uh, to do that in the first instance. So I hope that answers that question there, Borja. And again, okay. I will say for the audience, if you've got any follow up questions, please let me know in the chat. I'd be more than happy to answer them. Awesome. Awesome, Richard. Another anonymous attendee. Not sure uh, what kind of content we should be posting from our blog, social media handles. Uh, we go back to just posting the tech stuff over and over again. Yeah, uh, great question. Okay, so I mentioned a book earlier uh, by Marcus Sheridan, and it's called They Ask, You Answer. Uh, wonderful book. It's got absolutely nothing to do with the IT industry. However, it, in, in fact, it's about uh, the industry of building um, swimming pools. Uh, but I won't spoil the surprise for you. Go and check the book out. They Ask You Answer by Marcus Sheridan. You can find it on Amazon or in all good uh, bookstores. But what Marcus uh, tells people to do on social media is to answer questions from people. Write blog posts that answer people's questions. Now, not all of those questions are going to be tech stuff. Some of them are going to be how can I um, harden up my Microsoft 365 uh, tenant? Other questions are, how do I do this in Microsoft Word? Other questions might be, what's the best budget laptop for me to buy uh, for the team at the moment? Those types of questions. There's all sorts of questions there. And again, the real wealth of knowledge is within your PSA tool, within your help desk tool, because these are the questions that your clients are going to be asking. Those are the type of things that I would produce content about. And again, I'm a blogger, you know, but we've got um, podcasts, we've got videos. So whilst it's really nerve wracking to do what we're doing here today, to sit there and talk to a camera and to put yourself out there, video is by far and away one of the most powerful ways, not only to answer questions, but allow people to get to know you. I can't tell you the number of events that I've been to in the MSP industry where people have come up to me and said, hey, Richard, great to meet you. And I said, oh, excuse me, where did we meet? Oh, we've never met, but I've seen your videos and things. And, and the reason, you know, I'm flattered by that, but the reason is people feel as though they get to know you just from looking down the camera and seeing the work uh, that you do to educate and to help them. So videos, super, super important. Um, and again, there's a wealth of resources out there to help you overcome that fear of doing videos. But in answer to the question, uh, what type of content should we be posting to our blog, social media, et cetera? Answer people's questions. And that's all people come really uh, to find out the answer to is those questions. I just want to throw one more thing in there, Portia. And that is, there's going to be a lot of people watching this and saying, yeah, but if I answer everybody's questions on social media or via blogs, doesn't that mean they're not going to pay me to do the work? The answer to that is a really, really simple one. Those people that appreciate and value your knowledge are going to come to your blog or your video or your podcast or your social media. They're going to go, this person, this man or lady knows what they're talking about. And I can see they've given me the answer, but I haven't got the time to do it. So I'm going to ask them to do it anyway. That's the majority of the good customers that are going to fall into your lap. The others who take your information and then go and do it for themselves, they were never going to pay you in the first place for that. So don't worry about giving the answers away to people, but by giving the answers away to everybody, you're gonna demonstrate your expertise and you're gonna get people to know and like you as well. So it, it's, it really is a win-win. And again, I speak from experience. 
I was doing blogging 20 years ago when blogging wasn't a thing in the MSP industry. And most of my competitors said, why are you giving away all your trade secrets for free? Fast forward you know, to 2023, everybody does it and, and they know it's because it enables you to build your reputation, allow people to get to know you and demonstrate your expertise. So I hope that answers that question. It does. It does, Richard. Thank you so much. Uh, the final one from anonymous attendee. We are a small MSP and we can't justify a full-time marketing person. We try to manage it internally, but we struggle to create the right opportunities. We find that outside agencies don't really understand our requirements and have proved to be ineffective. What strategy would you recommend, Richard? So that you're a small MSP. I'd be interested in knowing you know, what sort of size, feel free in the chat to, to let us know. I, I guess that would give away your anonymity, but please don't worry, you're amongst friends. So mm -hmm. full-time marketing person, again, I would go back to one of my earlier answers, which is most of us believe that, you know, marketing is something, oh, we've got to, you know, put huge amounts of effort into it. We've got to allow somebody to run with it full-time uh, to do it. That's not the case at all. I would say you're marketing for yourself every single day, regardless whether you realize it or not. We've talked about blogging, we've talked about videos, answering questions and things of that nature. Absolutely, uh, you're doing that all day, every way. I would say the first thing is to commit as a business, as a team, whether there's one of you, two of you, three of you, five of you, 10 of you, everybody really is responsible for marketing within the business. With that said, I would say, when you say outside agencies don't really understand our requirements and prove to be ineffective, I speak to so many MSPs who do try to abdicate responsibility for marketing. What I mean by that there is they hire a marketing agency and they say, we want leads, go and make it happen. We all know that's not actually the way things work. So by starting and building a culture of marketing within your business, you can then start to say to marketing agencies or virtual assistants, or things of that, uh, people of that nature, hey, here's what's working for us at the moment. Here's what we think might make it better, but we haven't got the internal resources to do it. Can you, can you then pour fuel on that fire and allow them to run with that and to get going? So that is what I would say is a good way to approach this. Get good at marketing yourself. If you can't free up the time because you're doing too much technical stuff, think about buddying up or outsourcing. Uh, with another IT company to free up your time to concentrate on the marketing. But whatever you do, please don't abdicate responsibility for marketing because it's the number one thing that's going to help you grow your business. Remember what I said earlier, you can be the best IT company in the world, but if nobody knows about you, what is the point? Make sure that you build marketing into your DNA, into your culture. We have them answered for the question that you had asked. Uh, they, are a, they are an 18 staff company if, and they focus on SMB channel less than 100 users. So it's really interesting. I'm going to say, and this is for the benefit of everybody here. Um, I think they said in the question, we're too small. 18 people in, you know, in, certain, uh, in certain areas would be seen as, oh, I aspire to be an 18 person business. So I want everybody to realize this. When you say, oh, we're only a small business or we're only this or we're only that, you are exactly where you need to be at the moment, whether you've got one person, five people, 10 people, 20 people, 100 people. But it's important that you build the culture of your business as soon as you can. Uh, and marketing is part of that culture because it's a lot easier to grow a business with a handful of people with the right culture than it is to get to 18, 20 people and then go 
what does our culture look like? I hope that makes sense. Awesome. The next question is from Stephen. Many MSPs procrastinate whilst also not... Now, I did I did lose your audio for a, a little bit there, Portia, but I'll just re... It's right, the question. So I think the question from Stephen, he says, many MSPs procrastinate while also not using our teams to free us up. How would you suggest letting go of the vine? Okay, great question. Again, I will tell you some of the mistakes that I made because there's an infinite source of them. But when I had a team, uh, when we had engineers and things, and back in the days when we all used to sit in the office, one of the biggest problems I had was I would sit there uh, as the boss trying to get on with work, doing marketing and business and, and you know business growth and things of that. The and bear in mind, I'm a I'm a, a techie um, by heart. Because I was sat there, I would hear the technicians the engineers in my business working on problems and i would be like oh excuse me i'm going to jump in and do that instead now for many of you watching this who are also sort of techie uh, uh techie geeks by nature it's really really easy to get distracted by the things we know the things we're comfortable with so what i would say to you is make appointments with yourself you would never Go to a client, hey, I can't turn up for our client meeting because we've had a technical ticket come in that I can deal with. You just wouldn't do that. It's rude. It's unprofessional. It's not the way of doing business. I want you to make more appointments with yourself. I want to want you to put in your diary uh, that you're spending an hour on marketing or an hour on business development or an hour on strategic processes, on documentation, whatever it might be. Put that in and make it sacrosanct. I would also change the location where you are to do that work. So instead of trying to do it in the office, surrounded by your colleagues, maybe take yourself somewhere else. Maybe take yourself to the meeting room behind a closed door. Or if you work from home like I do, maybe take yourself to uh, hire out a business office or you know, for the hour or for a half a day. Or maybe do what I do, go to the local um, public library. I put my headphones in and I get on with what I need to do without being distracted by the other things that are going on around me. Turn off your email, turn off notifications. Don't have this thing beeping at you all the time because all the science shows that a single beep from your outlook for email or a single beep from your phone or whatever it might be, it's going to take you out and it's going to take you minutes and minutes and minutes, up to 20 minutes to get your mind back focused on what you were doing. Make appointments with yourself, make them sacrosanct and focus on the job at hand. Uh, now, for those of you, like me, I'm the world's biggest procrastinator. Portia, if I can put off doing something until tomorrow, you, you, you can be sure I'm going to do it. But that's no way to grow a business. What I started using for myself to overcome that procrastination is something called the Pomodoro Technique. Yeah, Pomodoro, I don't know how many Italians we've got on there, but Pomodoro, you've got the little slices of Italian tomato. And it literally is based around that. So Pomodoro technique means slicing a bit of time. So I set a timer now uh, for 25 minutes. I put my phone on silence. I turn off all the notifications. Well, I have them all turned off anyway, because um, yeah, I've been doing this for a long time. But I set a timer for 25 minutes and I say, right, I'm going to spend 25 minutes working on this task. And just on this task, without any other windows, without any other tabs, bosh. Then at the end of the 25 minutes, I take a break for five minutes. And then when I'm in a roll, I set another 
timer for 25 minutes, but I get up, I walk around, I get a drink, I stretch my legs, get a breath of fresh air. I don't look at my text messages because you don't want your brain just to be overloaded by more stuff, but I go off and to do things. So for those of you who say that perhaps you haven't got the time or you've got focus issues or, or anything of that nature, the Pomodoro technique, really good way for just doing, if you just did one Pomodoro a day, 25 minutes a day on something really important for your business, I'm willing to bet it's going to be 25 minutes more than you're spending at the moment. Right. Yeah. I've, I personally use the technique as well to get Good. Work. Yeah. It's very useful. Awesome. Thank you, Richard. Uh, next question is from Stephen. Alongside building your audience of potential clients, how important is it to build relationships with your peers in the industry? What are the benefits of investing time in this? Oh, wonderful question from um, Stephen, who does great work writing articles. Uh, so thank you, Stephen. Relationship with your peers, it's really, really interesting within the MSP industry. So we work in an industry that is fairly unique. And what I mean by that is I've got friends who work in finance, in uh, lots of different types of industries. And when they say to us, oh, what are you up to? And I say, oh, well, I'm going to a, a peer meeting or I'm going to a conference and they say, oh, what happens? And I say, well, a load of MSPs get together. We all exchange ideas. We all help one another out. And then we go back to our businesses and implement that knowledge. And they say, what? Your competitors help you and you help your competitors. And I say, yeah, because there's enough business for everybody. But that's a really alien tech uh, idea to lots of people outside the industry. But for those of you in the managed service industry, perhaps this is your first experience of community. Perhaps, you know, uh, it's easy for you to say, oh, well, Richard's built and sold his business now. He's happy to give away the knowledge. But I can tell you, and Stephen will know this from going to events like the Tech Tribe and CompTIA, Network Group and others. There's communities all over the world. You go along to any of those community events and there are gonna be people that you consider competitors who are gonna sit down and are gonna freely share knowledge with you on what tools work, on what techniques work, on what pricing models work so on and so forth. So this is an industry unlike any other in the world. And what I would say to Stephen's question, how important is it to build relationships with your peers? I would say it's the number one most important thing that I did when I grew my business. I said earlier on, I've been really blessed in that I've had uh, the smartest, most successful people in the MSP industry share their knowledge freely and without limits with me, their time and experience over the last 20 years. And all I'm doing is basically sharing what they taught me. They did that because they knew there was more than enough clients for everybody. And they also knew that phrase, a rising tide lifts all boats. As an industry, if we get better, and because the IT industry and especially managed services is actually still quite immature. Uh, it's still quite new. If we can help one another to grow our businesses, then so much the better it's going to get better for everybody. And as this industry becomes stricter, and more regulated. And trust me, people, this is coming around the corner. We're already seeing it in the United States. We're going to have it in the UK, Australia, other places. There are going to be legislations. There's going to be uh, rules and regulations that MSPs need to follow. And why? Because we are really important to the economy as a whole, to businesses, because we are the gatekeepers. We are the security people. We look after small businesses and keep them running. You only have to have a look at the 
global pandemic to see that happening. So if today is your first introduction to the MSP community, I would encourage you to take a look around and see the other communities that you can get involved in. There's the, the Super Ops community, the Tech Tribe community, the CompTIA community. Uh, there's local user groups. There are conferences. There are virtual events like this. Get involved. Learn from your peers because you will grow a lot, a lot faster as a business if you open your ears and listen to others and if you help others to grow as well. But great question, Stephen. Mark has a question. How reliable is the automated operating system update tools? So I think that's, would I be right, Portia? I think Mark's asking questions specifically about super ops there. Um, so Mark, I would, again, I would encourage you, first of all, <laughs> to uh, ask questions in the new super ops community. So one of the benefits of communities that I've just said is, you don't have to take my word for it. I've been an advisor to super ops for quite some time um, because I believe in the company. Um, but you could say, oh, well, Richard, you're biased. You love those guys and you get on with them. True to a degree. The reason I'm an advisor is because they've got a great product. But the community is going to pull no punches, Mark. You can jump in that community and you can say, is this good? Is it not? And other Super Ops customers are going to give you their feedback, good, bad, and indifferent. So don't take my word for it, Mark. I would say I've not heard anything negative uh, about the automated uh, operating system update, but I don't use Super Ops day in and day out. Jump in the community, ask those questions, ask in the chat and things of that nature. You know, it's a great way. Um, you know, ask your peers. Just a brilliant way. So I think we've answered two questions with one there, Portia. Get involved in the community because it will also help you with your due diligence and research, Mark. Awesome. Thank you so much, uh, Richard. Like Richard mentioned, uh, anything related to SuperOps, the great place would be get it answered within the community because we have all our customers there and they would be more than happy to help you uh, understand how they've benefited from using the product. And we also have our team who would help you out, you know, uh, with any questions uh, that you would, you know, ideally have. And, and if it's technical, um, we have a lot of like technical experts in the community who can get it answered for you as well. So with respect to the super ops, iPad, um, you know, iPhone or Android capability, it can perform based basic functionalities like ticket handling, remoting into devices, et cetera, is basically built for technicians to kind of, uh, you know, use the product on the go. Uh, with respect to IT documentation, uh, you can create IT documents, save them and store passwords in them. Uh, obviously, there's more to it, and I'd be more than happy to send you links about it, Mark, uh, post this uh, webinar. But yeah, uh, you can also get it answered within the community. So thank you so much for those questions. Oh, sure. I'm going to throw something out there because uh, I know some people have, have pinged me privately and said, oh, how can I connect with you? Let me give my email address out here. I'm, I'm you know, my team are going to say I'm crazy for doing this, but I'm going to be involved in the Super Ops community um, as well. You know, I've been a big part of the CompTIA community, Tech Tribe. I love community. love the way it works here. So my email address, I'm going to put it into the chat, but it's richard at tublog, T-U-B-B-L-O-G.co.uk. Um, so feel free to continue the conversation with me afterwards. And if there's anything you're not comfortable asking in an environment like this, I'm more than happy to answer it um, uh, privately as well. Just wanted to throw that out there. Awesome. And I think we've come to the end of the webinar as, plan as planned. I think we're right on time. 
Uh, Richard, anything uh, else like a closing advice that you would give on somebody who wants to start an MSP? That was one closing question we had for you. Ooh, starting an MSP. So it can be the most rewarding job in the world. It really can. Most of us got into this industry because we enjoy helping people. Um, so keep that focus when you're going on with building the business. Try to focus always on how can I help people? What can I do to make my customers' lives easier? If you provide value to people, the money, everything else just flows after that. I want to give another book recommendation here, Portia. I'm very, I'm conscious with, I've almost turned this into a book club and give half a dozen uh, book introductions. <laughs> and perhaps I'll, I'll, maybe I'll post in the SuperOps community afterwards with this as well. But uh, there's a book called The Go-Giver by Bob Berg and John David Mann. That was a life-changing book for me. Uh, if you are thinking of starting a managed service provider business, I would encourage you, read The Go-Giver. It's nothing at all to do with managed services, but what it is, we're all familiar with go-getters the people who are hustling and doing all that work to get out there and make money and all that jazz. Go-givers. I've never come across an industry with as many go-givers as managed services because people genuinely just want to help other people. They want to help customers. They want to help clients. They want to help peers. They want to help everybody to use technology to make their lives better. But there are ways that you can do that in a really profitable way and in a scalable and sustainable way as well. I won't spoil the story. Go and read The Go-Giver by Bob Berg and John David Mann. And uh, it's just a great book. It'll take you about an hour to read with a good cup of tea or somewhat stronger. And uh, just go and enjoy that book. And I would say that answers a lot of questions about how you can become profitable and help other people as well. Awesome. Thank you so much on the closing note, Richard. I'm going to launch a poll for the attendees. You can quickly take time to answer it. Uh, and based on that, they can, you know, we, they'll get a special invite into the community uh, of superops.ai. Right. So um, with that, I think we've come to the end of this session. Thank you, Richard, for those insightful answers, for sharing your expertise with us. Uh, thank you to our audience for joining us and for your engaging questions. We hope you found this session valuable. Um, like I've mentioned, please don't forget to check out the superops.ai community for more resources and support. Uh, we will also send the recording of the session uh, and uh, Bits and pieces of this insightful session would also be posted in the community as a daily uh, bite video, which you can make use of and other MSPs would find value in. So thank you so much for joining. Thank you so much, Richard. Always a pleasure uh, talking to you. My pleasure. I really enjoyed it. I hope the audience have got value out of me waffling on here as well. If anybody got any value, please let us know. If you'd like me to do another one like this in the future, I'm more than happy to. But just realize, um, what's the URL for the community, Portia? I'll put you on the spot. Yes, I'm going to put it on the uh, chat. It's uh, community.superops.ai. Community.superops.ai, because I know Alexandra and uh, other people have been asking how to join. Just get involved. It's free to join, right? There's no there's no challenge to join. You don't have to be a SuperOps MSP to join either, do you? Correct. You don't have to be as well. Open to everyone. Go and take advantage of this. <laughs> but thank you, everybody. Thanks for organizing, Porsche. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you so much. Have a great day. Bye. Cheers, guys. 
Hey folks, Richard here. Thanks for listening today. I know you've got a ton of options for who you listen to nowadays, so I really appreciate your support. Do you have any feedback on this episode? Ideas for future guests? Tweet me at Tubblog using the hashtag TubTalk. I respond to every tweet and really appreciate your feedback. Hey team, this is Richard again. Just one more thing before you take off, and that is MSP Insights. Now, every Tuesday, I share my thoughts on the business of IT with you, the managed service community. Thousands of managed service providers already subscribe to MSP Insights. It's easy to sign up, easy to cancel. MSP Insights is basically a short email from me every Tuesday without fail with advice on growing your IT business, plus cool resources I found, discovered, or started exploring that week. It's kind of like my diary of cool things and often includes articles or books I've read, tools I've discovered and events I think you'd be interested in, often sent to me by my friends and Tub Talk podcast guests. So if that sounds fun, a short tiny bite of MSP goodness every Tuesday and you'd like to try it out, just go to go.tub.co forward slash Tuesday. That's gogo.tub.co forward slash Tuesday. Drop in your email and you'll get the very next one. Thanks for listening.